Welcome to the Cultured Guitarist. My name is Alabaster Al. Oh, we're going stones. We're going stones. With me is Cal Knight Casper. I don't know if I'm saying not, that one right. Pro- I don't, probably I've not. I've never pronounced that in my life. That's okay. But uh, and the man who inspired the uh, Precious Stones themed nicknames, <laughs> Pearly Earl Pereira. <laughs> How's it going, Earl? Hello. What's up, fellas? <laughs> So I, that's my name. Don't wear it out. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm almost, I should be at an advantage with doing this one, but I feel like I'm at a disadvantage because Earl is such an old friend and such a close friend that I don't know how to interview him. I had the same problem with Arjun. Yeah. I don't know how to do an interview with him without sounding like another goon. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your childhood. You kind of sound like a goon anyway. <laughs> like, oh, thank you for that. I mean, you, you're just more <laughs> conscious of it now. <laughs> so, uh, brief, um, absolutely ham-fisted bio on Earl, because I want to brag about you, Earl. Because you're okay. Earl's friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, won't, I won't stop you, man. <laughs> I won't stop you. <laughs> just let me have my moment, Casper. Yep, don't take it. So, Earl... You, you 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 came up in a very musical family. I've met your family. They're all pretty musical for the you know, your your dad and your brothers are all kind of in that world. Uh, oh yeah. Um you kind of hit it pretty pretty hard, pretty young with uh, your former band Widemouth Mason. Um which for most of our listeners are in the US and abroad, so that might not uh hit as much as for us Canadians, but Widemouth was uh well, they're still the band itself is still going. Earl's no longer with them, but uh, during their heyday, which Earl was there for, um, you guys did uh, tons of overseas tours with ACDC, the Rolling Stones. You had a bunch of Juno nominations. You put out a whole bunch of records. Uh, Junos are essentially Canadian Grammys. If you're not familiar with those, um, didn't Homer get a Juno once? I don't know, man. There's like <laughs> 30, ep- 30 seasons of that show. <laughs> deep dive Simpsons. Well, he's got, he's got one more than me then because I still haven't won. <laughs> so, yeah, which is, which is you got robbed, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm a little bitter about that. Uh, <laughs> um, he, he's, he's met and, and worked with tons and tons of great people. Um, Ten years ago started... Uh, his own group now called the Steadies, um, which it's been 10 years, right? Yeah, this will be, it'll be 10 years this summer. Okay. I, all right. Yeah. Coming up wow. on the 10th. Wow. Holy smokes. Um, yep. yeah, you've, you're a pillar of the Canadian music scene, man. There's, there's almost nobody who tours in Canada who like, I don't find as a mutual friend with you or. Hasn't uh, had a kind word to say about you. It's, it's, you've, yeah, you're an amazing guy. You've been a huge thing in, uh, in music up here. So that's, that's, that's my really abbreviated bio slash, uh, love letter. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Yeah. yeah, When, when, when I hear it like that, it makes, uh, makes me sound pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's, well, I mean, I could tell stories that uh, make you sound slightly less good, but you're too good a dude. I can't make you sound bad. 
Awesome. Yeah, definitely. That's that's the career in a nutshell, man. And it's and it's still you know it's still ongoing. I I feel really uh, just lucky and fortunate just to have a career this long. I mean, like you said, I started in Wide Mouth when I was you know eighteen, nineteen. 93 94 like it's been i was in the band for 17 years um first gig was was a doozy and uh it's a gig that would pretty much end most uh musicians dreams of wanting to be a musician it's one of those gigs yeah. um it was in panoka alberta which is the the town that's um, known for their psych ward. I was going to say, most famous <laughs> for an asylum. <laughs> for their asylum. And the venue was called the Twilight Zone. And uh, we had a comedian open for us, and he started a war with some hecklers in the front row. So great, perfect warm-up act for me to come up on stage. <laughs> Man. Right? This is great. That's, so, that's always and, the uh, best when you have a hostile audience. <laughs> yeah so yeah not not the best gig in the world but uh you know you you take your lumps and you learn the ropes and and uh still standing so you know you, you gotta love it definitely to have endured what i've endured yeah. and um <laughs> but at the same time you know like like i'll mention some of those highlights are like i said were things that i never even dreamed that uh the things that I did dream, I dreamed I would, I would get to do. I just, you just never think that it would actually happen. Right. So, you know, when you're on stage at the sky dome opening for the stones, you know, in front of 70,000 people and my folks are in the front row. And it was one of those moments where I, uh, it just kind of hit me and then it hit me a little bit too much because it affected my, uh, physical state at that moment and I lost my balance and I got dizzy and like vertigo all of a sudden in the middle of our set. And I, I could, I could barely stand. I've, I was just, I was just struggled. I just struggled the rest of the, you know, the next 10 minutes just to not fall down. Right, well, <laughs> so, it, it, yeah. I, man, that happened to me in my first gig at a coffee shop. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine Jeez. standing in front of 70,000 people. Yeah. Yeah, right and, and i think it's and that's what it was you know once they there was um the guy who was running the lights um you know we we had the good the good fortune of actually um traveling with a, a tour a tour manager who was very established in the music industry and i think it hit us how big of a deal she actually was when we showed up to open for those guys and um you know, before she got there, we were just, you know, getting the shaft, like most bands that open for them, you know, you don't get any of the lights, you don't get much of the soundboard, you don't get much of anything, right? They don't want you to look good, they don't want you to sound good. They just want you to warm up the crowd without being too good, you know? Yeah. And um, her name is Gilly Crowder, she's still around and she lives in Nashville, but back in like the 70s and 80s, she... Uh, she's she's a Brit, so she's from London. She she was she tour managed all the biggest bands from the UK at the time, including my favorite band of all time, The Police, um, Queen, Clash, uh, The Stones. So when she rolled in to the arena, 
of course, the, the Rolling Stones sound guy was just like, oh, my God, Gilly, what are you doing here? And everyone's giving her hugs. And I'm just like, oh, my God, she's more rock stars than we are. <laughs> you know? And then sure enough, next thing you know, we're on the Jumbotrons. We get full light show, full sound, you know. So, you know, it's it was just one of those fortuitous things uh, where that's, you know, that highlights you know, something just, though right like it's it's real success firms come comes from connections yeah absolutely you know absolutely and, and and to this day she's she's still like if i ever needed anything you know from her i could just give her a call and and she would do it um even when the when the police toured um the reunion i got a package in the mail from Nashville and she got them to sign uh, a massive poster for me, which I framed in my living room. So, Oh, that's rad, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty rad. Pretty rad. <laughs> um, so, I gotta, I gotta take it backwards. Uh, we, yeah. um, cause if I don't, Dan's going to have uh, a Dan's fit. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's my, my nightmares. Dan presence here from Nor- more guitars gonna send me like a grumpy message yeah <laughs> hey you didn't do the thing again yep um so we'll kick it back uh we'll get get going with uh the show traditional what have you been up to this week casper i know you're chomping at the bit to share some stuff man okay um i added some stuff uh i don't know if i was working on or if i'd finished the optic tremolo that I was working on last week so um for anybody that's not caught up on my life um I uh, I bought some kits from uh like pedal kits from a place overseas in in Germany and put together a, a range master which I gave to Al on our last show um and then uh, I built an optic tremolo which was fraught with difficulty and did not really work out um in, initially but um some super big uh, props to uh, Neil uh, Graham from Doctor Scientist for helping me fix the problems that I created myself um Anyways, that was so that's working now. That's one thing that I did that's uh, I'm super proud of, and I I'm really really digging it. Yeah, I know, I know, Al, I know, Al. <laughs> well, I'm building up to that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then um, we were also talking uh, the last show or the show before about Telecasters and how I'm on the hunt for a Tele and looking for you know the one that's going to fit the need and not cost me a fortune and all that stuff. So we were talking about the Paranormal Offset, which is uh, a Squire. Um, guitar that's a basically a jazz master pointed like a telly. So I found one of those um, in Kamloops. So I went to look at it uh, at the the Long McQuay at the music shop, and um, there it was in all of its glory for its retail price of five hundred and fifty nine dollars or whatever it was. But which is a smoking well, deal for the, for the guitar yeah. that that is. It's actually not a bad price, and I was definitely that's what I went in there thinking that I'm gonna you know, I'm going to pick this guitar up because that's, it's a, it's the thing that I need there that I feel like I need to, in order to, you know, fill that hole in the stable. And, uh, but hanging below it and one hook over was a classic vibe sixties, um, custom Telecaster, which, um, when I picked that up, it spoke to me way more than the paranormal offset. And, uh, so I bought that instead. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I, double I, bound. Yeah. Free sunburst. Yeah. Feels good. I was enjoying playing it before we hit record. Yeah, yeah, it's a just a good telly. So, I'm happy about that. 
Um, and it didn't cost me a fortune because it was like $200 less than the paranormal. So awesome. I'm excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, um, this week for me, oh. I haven't had a... a How about you, Al? What, what are you up to this week? I've been amp hunting. And I've been amp hunting for a while. Yeah. And I'm... I like, actually, I really like living vicariously through you. I Well, I just bought my Classic 30, right? So I'm like, I know what the feeling is going to be like when you get the one. Yeah. And you get the amp home and you're like, this is the one I wanted to buy. So, I mean, I've had a lot of great amps in in my life. And and, uh, I, you know, the reason I don't have an amp right now is because I sold a great amp. Um, But I just couldn't lift it with my back injuries and stuff. It just... Carrying an 80-pound Rivera combo amplifier is just no longer in the cards. <laughs> Dude, I could barely get it out of the basement. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Great amp, but a brute. Um, so I've been hunting for, you know, I was looking at a Boss Katana that was used. The guy was just asking a little too much for a version 1 uh, 50-watt. He wanted and not almost retail. Yeah, it. and wouldn't budge on it. No, so it's weird. passed on that. Uh, and just haven't been able to find the right amp for the right deal. I got a couple of, uh, I got a little... Yeah, three. Three pedals up for sale right now that are all part of the amp fund. Um, so I'm hoping, hoping to find a good deal on an amplifier. But I've also been enjoying talking with uh, Trevor Woodland over at Vigilant Guitars. This is another thing. Damn it, I forgot yeah. about this. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, so, we, you know, we've kind of let the, let the news slip that we're working on a bit of a project with... Uh, with Trevor and a couple other people uh, for the summer. And uh, this week he emailed me some fretboard samples and uh, worked on some uh, inlay ideas and stuff. Oh, and, and so I, our we have a an email we share for the show. Yeah. And all of your content from, like, your correspondence is going through that email. So every <laughs> time one of those things lands, it's like, oh! Oh, that's so great. I'm yeah. like, like looking at it going, that is so cool. I mean, and the stuff that I've been working on with him is really cool too, and I'll show you. Um, but you, I don't think you've seen any of it. No, I haven't because you haven't been emailing that through, not through Yeah, it's anymore. been going through my personal email. Yeah, um, and all of the emails that you've seen are irrelevant after the phone call I had with him today. <laughs> oh, damn. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited about that. I, you know, doing uh, doing that project has been a lot of fun, and I can't really share a whole lot of details about that yet. Um, but I'm looking forward to. Doing I think that. you're just being deliberately cryptic. Well, I am a little bit because I don't want to spoil the <laughs> the thing for people that we're doing for this summer. So it could be more detailed, but uh, not going to be right now. Hmm. <laughs> what about you, Earl? What have you been up to this week? This week, mainly making music. Man, it's been it's that time for me right now. So I. Uh, just been it's it's great because they're our newest member of the studies uh our, our brother chris below um is actually also my roommate which is convenient so um on his days off we just we spend every monday just trying to try to come with a, a new a new song so we're hoping to have a, a new record out for next fall and um so now these are just kind of the early stages of it um, it's kind of the fun part though, you know, you're just making stuff up and seeing, seeing what works and seeing what's cool. But what's, um, Al, you're gonna, you're gonna trip, man, because I was, uh, listening to these little, these demos of ours and, uh, and I'll send you some samples, but it's really, uh, eerie in a good way. 
uh, I never really noticed how much Chris plays like Juice until oh, now. Mm. It, it's it's so weird. So so Justin Juice Lee is uh, the Steady's founding member, our brother, Al's bro. Uh, we lost him a few years ago. Um, July to, 25th, to a, right? Was... July 25th, yeah, to, to a brain, you know, aneurysm and um, out of the blue. So, of course, no one, we didn't get to say bye to him, didn't get to, you know, see him off. And um, he had a unique style of playing. Um, very, uh, it was you know, weird. definitely. He, it was like, it yeah, was, he, you, you, you can't, right? like, you can't just play a reggae skank and, and sound like juice did. It's just not possible. No, no. Cause he's, he's, he's playing reggae skank, but then he's playing these melodies in between them and doing all the, you know, <laughs> it's very, very different style, very unique style, which suited us great. Suited me perfectly. Right. He was just him and I just fit together. Like, you know, once we found each other, we were just like, you know, here we go. This is, this is it. So, and and our other guitarist, um, who who eventually had to, he had the had the tall task of having to fill, you know, Juice's shoes when he first joined. Jesse Clark out in Victoria, super talented um, guitarist, um, but he I mean he has his own style, right? Everyone's got their own style, and we didn't ever expect whoever was going to be joining the band to to play like like Justin because nobody does. Right. But yeah. then lo and behold, you know, Chris Velo, um, we're making up some songs and I get him to throw down some solos or some overdubs. And I, I almost like, I didn't want, I didn't say anything to him yet. He doesn't know that this is how, what I think, but it's, uh, cause he never, he never really knew juice, right. They, he knew of him. They think they crossed past a couple times, but, um, he didn't, they didn't really know each other. So, you know, he's throwing these solos down and these, these melodies and parts. And I'm like, man, this, that's exactly what juice would play. Like that's what he would have come up with. And then it dawned on me that you guys, that when you, when I started thinking about the, their influences, Chris and juice, they're the same. They're like their top mm. bands are chili peppers, namely <laughs> Frischianti, right? <laughs> Uh, Queens of the Stone Age, right? Um, Zeppelin, so mm. Jimmy, and uh, and 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 then like reggae bands, you know, so multiple different guitarists, everyone, and reggae rock stuff like Sublime. So, um, and they're both neither of them are are schooled, so you're already going to have a different style than than a schooled guitar player, right? Mm-hmm. Not that one's better than the other. It's just they're different, you know. You guys yeah. know what I mean, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Man, I, <laughs> one of my last memories of of hanging out with Jewel, Jewel. My brain is on fire right mm. now, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Juice, Jewel. What the heck? <laughs> All that time I spent with, this with major famous singer songwriter Jewel. Yeah, that babe from Alaska. <laughs> 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 uh, let me re- restart that. My, one of my favorite and last memories of hanging out with Juice was he, like, it was at Better Than Fred's in uh, Grand Prairie, Alberta. <laughs> 
and he yeah, went on paid, paid a, like spot. he must have talked like like he more or less like took me hostage for 35 40 minutes talking my ear off about the genius of Frusciante's <laughs> like this five album streak that he released during his time away from the peppers. <laughs> oh yeah. He gave you that spiel, right? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I got yeah. it juice. I'm not going to remember any of this, man. You're far, It was too much information <laughs> too fast. Ah, man. And Jeez. Uh, just like such a classic juice moment, man. You get him going about it. He just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> No, uh, it's, it's, uh, he, and he loved him and, and they, and both guys do. And, and so like, I guess that's, that's why it started making sense to him. Like, wow, this is, this is such a treat because, you know, um, the, our, our, our most recent album we, we wrote with Jesse, I mean, with Curtis and I's influence and with the band already having a sound, Jesse was just able, was able to just fit into that yet still be himself. Right. And still be his own person but you know he definitely did want to like honor juice and and um and you definitely studied because he's a he's a studious guy right he went to guitar school and jazz you know all that stuff but um you know it was uh it's different than just naturally doing it so um, I love all the guitar work on the on the on the newest album for sure, of course, and it it gives us a little bit of a different sound. But like I said, we already have a sound for the band, so anyone who was going to fit in, it was going to still sound like the Steadies because we have we have that. But but it's such a treat now to have a, another guy who can who naturally plays the way our original guitar player played. Not that there's ever going to be a, another Juice, and that's not what I'm saying. What what uh, whatsoever but but that in such a an amazing way you know that some of that is back in the band again and it just you know makes me pretty happy that's awesome dude yeah man oh, that's so cool i'm i'm looking forward to meeting it's weird to me that you'll see <laughs> you've got a band member i haven't met <laughs> so yeah like- man that's right that's right Shoot, yeah, you and you would have met him. Um, I think not this summer, but the summer before, when we did August Long Weekend, I did it with Hattie and Chris because it was a Mo Marley thing. Because um, the studies were all kind of on a break that weekend. Um, Curtis was doing an electronic festival, doing his DJ thing. Um, Jesse he was stuck on the island doing something, so. So I'm like, oh, screw it. I, I kind of still want to play. It's August long in Kelowna. You can't not, can't say no, you know. But we did it as a Mo Marley thing. And um, so yeah, so you must not have been there for that, hey, Al? Because you would have met Chris then. Was that at We Docs? did a boat party, and then we did a boat party, then we played Docs. Yeah, didn't you play with I us? I played yet? with you, so I played with this guy. You're such a Muppet. Oh, my God. God. That's, that's who it is. Okay. Yeah. That's Chris. Okay. I'm, and, I'm, and, he, I'm... And, he's a, and he's a phenomenal <laughs> singer, too, right, which is um, really such a, weapon, a great addition and weapon to have, you know, someone who uh, can, can spell me and sing lead. Uh, without us missing a beat is, is pretty cool too. Right. So, so I'm at this point, I'm sure a lot of our <laughs> listeners are like, what the heck is wrong with Al? No, they're like, Oh, Al's doing that thing again. I, I know. I, <laughs> I have, I have the memory of a goldfish, but I also, I want to defend myself a little bit here. 
I've played a lot of Steady's gig mm. gigs. I'm, I've never been a Steady's member, but I've played a lot of Steady's gigs. So. I think the second show I ever seen, I ever watched you play, was at Kelowna City Park outside with the Steadies. Yeah, <laughs> like I would. Oh yeah, yeah. I would guess I've played somewhere north of fifty shows with with the Steadies, either on on tour after Juice passed. There was a bunch of shows I did there, but also just as like. Yeah. Anytime we were in the same town, I usually shared the stage with you guys. Um, touring, touring together with both our bands. Yeah. You'd end up on stage playing with us eventually. You know? so, so I just want to defend myself and say a lot of these gigs <laughs> blending together a little bit. Um. Hey, man, I just realized that you guys might have met. So, hey, so you're, you're not alone. <laughs> it was a blur. The summer of 2019 is a, is a blur, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That might have been... Was that the gig when my, my SG got the, the headstock broken? No. Oh, maybe. I'm not sure. Jeez, man, you're... No, that's, I didn't that's think that was too Kelowna. much. That's asking too much of me. Yeah. Right now. I don't know. <laughs> my, my Gibson got properly Gibsoned. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's been it's been a creative time. Um, I'm also in the studio a lot, working um, on other people's stuff. So currently, do you remember Jerry, uh, beautiful Jerry from 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 Penticton? Yeah, jazz. Who sometimes jazz sings? Jerry. Yeah, jazzy, jazzy, soulful Jerry. Um, so I'm I'm producing her and mixing her her debut right now. So that's going pretty well. Um, it's been kind of interesting because we've been doing it long distance like this. So she's got a, a producer and an engineer friend in Kelowna that can do some production for her, can record. And then, so that way I can sit on the sessions, FaceTime and, um, coach her from there, you know, as if I, as if I was there and it's not the same, but you can still get, you can get the results that you need. And then, I, and then they send me all the files and, um, you know, technology these days, it's, yeah. that's how everyone's making music these days, right? You're sending files back and forth and luckily, doing luckily we're can. at that point right now. Cause you imagine yeah, it's, like, it's if pretty this, crazy, if this pandemic had hit, like even just 10 years ago, how much more boring <laughs> it would be to be a musician. You couldn't share files nearly as easily. Like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness we can like yeah. do well, Zoom yeah, meetings and, and stuff like, and share. Yeah, even, even, even if, producing if the pandemic, your own. If, if Y2K. <laughs> was pandemic. Yeah. Y2K was, was pandemic, we would have been so screwed, man. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, barely had e I had barely had email at the time. You know, I think I just finally got a my first Hotmail account that yeah. year. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think uh, 1998, Jeez. I signed up for my first email address. Oh, yeah. Fuzzy, fuzzy bunny. Yeah, I made it. I might have been 99. <laughs> Mine was boring. It was just Earl Pereira at hotmail.com. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my, I didn't know what email was. My Same friend thing. signed me up and uh, he, yeah, he was the person yeah, who, yeah. who put fuzzy bunny and it was it's apparently a Simpsons reference. I don't understand, but I never really watched a lot of the Simpsons. So mm, me neither. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I mean. No cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone until like 2000 and two so it was 
you know. Yeah. And they definitely, there weren't many computers back then. That's for damn sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Whole different they were world. a phone. It was an expensive, expensive phone. <laughs> had the weight of a dead star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get you get five minutes of long distance. Yeah. You know, and yeah, spread can, that around. Can, can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh you just have your phone on, and you get these those roaming charges. You're just like, what? Just for having my phone on? Yep. Are you kidding me? So, um, just to just to take it in a totally random direction here. So you you're. Were you born in Saskatoon? I don't actually know this. I was born born and raised, man. Okay. I knew you lived um, there most of your life, if not all of it. Wasn't sure if you were born there. So yeah, born, but, born and but, raised but in but Saskatoon. But a little anecdote is I was conceived in the Philippines, if that makes any sense. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what I wasn't sure. I knew your parents had come to Canada, like, either shortly before. Yeah, my, my mom was six months pregnant with me. Okay. When they when they got here, yeah. So <laughs> wow, so, that's crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> and then with four and four other kids between the ages of two and six, she was dealing with that, man, all of them, man, pregnant man, with man. me, <laughs> not speaking very good English, and trying to get to Canada by herself. You know, yeah, and I'm not just Canada, hero. Saskatoon, <laughs> like. What you know? a shock to the system to go from like the tropics of the Philippines. To Saskatchewan, snowy, prairie, windy Saskatoon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it would have been just starting to snow, you know, October. You know, so (laughs) (laughs) just the worst time to get here. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. She like a thrill seeker looking for a challenge. Like man, oh man. So you grow up. You're up in Saskatoon, and fun fact about any Canadian isolated prairie town. They have epic music scenes. You don't think they do, but they do. Grand Prairie had one. Edmonton, Calgary all had great music scenes. Lethbridge, Saskatoon, Regina, great music scenes. Winnipeg, epic music scene. Because all winter yeah. long, these people are stuck <laughs> with nothing to do. Yeah, that's 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 all we do, man. That's you know, that's it's so true. It's funny, but it's it's true. Um, and yeah, when I was a kid, I mean, my, my brother actually, you know, F, my oldest brother, he, um, he was already touring in a band and I was like, I was probably in grade five or six, you know? So that was, that was definitely uh, something that, that that affected me. (laughs) So you you grew up in a scene, you grew up in this family where like your older brother's already touring and stuff. And yeah. like, so you, you just didn't have a chance, man. It was music or death. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, that's exactly. It was music or bust. Um, uh, although I did have some dark times. Um, it's, it was called university. And, uh, <laughs> that's every guitarist's Achilles heel. Yeah. Education. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Education. Uh, three years, uh, U of S go Huskies. And, um, you know, it was that was it was it was a depressing time. So I just I did just want to be in a band. I, I auditioned for some bands uh, during university and didn't get in any bands, and uh, was struggling. You know, trying to get into you know medicine or dentistry. So it was it was really tough. The classes were was brutal. So 
I just couldn't wait for the, <laughs> the day where I could just, you know, tell my folks that, uh, Hey, I think I'm going to be, uh, playing music. This, this whole, this whole education thing isn't quite working out for me, I <laughs> but I, but I tried. Imagine you as a dentist. Oh man. I just, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, thinking I could gig on the weekends and be a dentist <laughs> during the week. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. That, that sounds doable. You know, it's, it's, it's not, um, yeah, man. You know, and, and, do, you, do you own any PRS guitars? Cause that's the, that's the old, <laughs> that's the old joke we have on the show. <laughs> no, but I, I had a piece of crap, uh, Yamaha beginner bass, which just sounded just, I didn't know how bad it sounded until I, uh, till I bought my first bass, um, which I saved up for, which was, uh, they only came out one year, 94. It was the Fender Pre Precision Light. Okay. Yeah. You'll so see were, a lot of those. They were, act, they, were, they were actives. Yeah. And they were in like, it was a smaller body and they were a light, like half the weight of a, of a normal Fender Pre, which was great for me. Cause I was, you know, I'm like, wow, I can jump even higher now. Which is great. <laughs> I was say, how do you jump with a T40 hanging around your neck? It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. No, without getting back problems and neck problems. Right. Yeah. Cause it was starting to, you know, be like that. But, uh, but yeah, so got my pre pre light, and then I remember I was um, hired to play a gig in Drumheller with. That was the the gig where we we were having dinner, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going back to university. I'm just doing this. I Man. did I did my three years, and uh, and then the guy we were backing up, Carson Cole, who ended up being a manager, becoming the first manager of Wide Mouth, took it take us under his wing. He uh, he was just man, and your tone. You just sound night and day from from before, and I was like, "Oh, tender, <laughs> you know, <laughs> precision. Thank you, right?" And uh, I never looked back. But it wasn't. It was shortly after that that I uh, actually moved on to Dingwall um, a few years later. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask about which, that. Like, how did that relationship start? Because it it was you know Sheldon and Dingwall are based in Saskatoon, but you know there had to be a that first meeting, right? Yeah, totally. You know, um, he, Sheldon, so it's Sheldon Dingwall, so that's his actual name. He, he had, I had been hearing about Sheldon, um, you know, during my, my touring days. Well, I was, I was still a Fender player and, um, it wasn't until like later in the nineties when, um, Wide Mouth was taken off, um, you know, we were signed to Warner and things started getting crazy. Um, that, um, I forget exactly how we met, but, um, I think I approached him to be honest, his shop was just on Broadway, um, underneath this like tea shop, right on, right on Broadway. And it was just a little shop, like low ceilings. Like I don't even know how he operated in there. And, um, I was surprised. I think I wanted to show support because the a year earlier his shop had burned down to the ground with all of his oh. designs in it. Oh right? What is it with Luthiers and having that problem, man? He's not the first guy I've ever heard. I, it, you know, and he was just starting to like, you know, establish himself when that happened, and he could have easily just given up, but no, he he's like, I'm gonna just start over from scratch, recreating what he whatever he could remember he did you know 
And not only did he do that, he just he made it better than ever. And right away, he made this prototype base um, that um, he didn't really have a name for it or anything. It was just it was unlike anything he had ever made before. It looked like uh, a jazz or Ernie Ball uh, music man it had that kind of a look. And I saw that and I was like, yeah, the other bases was just a little too wild looking for me because I'm still kind of old school, man. I like, I like, I was still kind of a fender guy. Right. Mm. But once I saw him make one of those, I was like, Hey man, like, can I have that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, gosh, I totally, you know what? I totally get it because that bass did the same thing for me. Cause I'm, I'm pretty old school in my tastes. I like, I'm, I'm pretty classic fender dude. Um, and I liked Dingwall from like the engineering perspective, but I wasn't super into it until I got to play that. Cause I, it's the white one, right? Your, your white Dingwall. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that bass so much. It's the one. Yeah. And, and he made one, he made that one. And then, uh, Ernie Ball shut him down because it looked, too, the headstock was too similar. So, although he stored that in the back of his mind, knowing he was, he was going to try it again and make it, which ended up being the Super J, about six or seven years later, right? Um, and the Super P followed that up with, which is just basically vintage-looking dingwalls, right? Because normally they're really modern. The fan fretting is just really extreme. The bodies are, you know, looks like something more like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's not really my style, right? It, I mean, he is, but these is a ones, thing, These right? ones were. That bass yeah, completely exactly. changed my whole perspective. Cause like I, as far as I was concerned, I mean, largely I, <laughs> I still am this way. Uh, as far as I was concerned, like if you can't do it on a P bass, then well, what's wrong with you? It, like yeah. I, I just couldn't get my, like a P bass was the perfect bass in my mind. Uh, add a, and, add, a and, add a jazz pickup in the bridge position and you've got perfection. Um, and then it, I touched that totally. white bass and it was just like, Oh, okay. yeah, it was like a P bass. It was like a P bass on like high def crack, you know, it was just like, <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs> and so I fell in love with it, obviously. And, uh, I did have a voodoo as well. So I had a couple ding walls as him being my sponsor. And I was one of the first sponsors um sponsories i forget how you say that (laughs) endorses yeah endorses yeah lee sklar myself uh some other guys and um but back then i mean custom bases are are pricey you know you're running thinking four or five grand right for for a custom base and no not (laughs) not many people can afford that you know lawyers and doctors play ding walls pretty much you know at home um or or touring musicians that were maybe more established like like we were um could could get them but um yeah man um maybe six or seven years later he he made a deal with a chinese manufacturer to make uh, the afterburner and um so like sheldon still makes them all but then they get manufactured there like mass produced mm-hmm. overseas and that's run that's around 1300 which is very affordable, right? Mm-hmm. And um, once that happened, Dingwall just exploded. So it's pretty proud to see how huge of a company they are. They're they're so world renowned and and so established. You know, like even their social media. You yeah, look at any crazy. of their posts, and it's just like 
tons of comments, tons of likes, tons of views. Just it, it's everywhere, you know. Yeah, and you and you're you're still with them. You it's been like twenty years now. You're still. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I'm still with them. I I just haven't really got in a new base in a while, but I, I think I'm kind of due for one. I'm I'm thinking maybe you know this coming year, um, I could have a base. I could take on the road and and feel good about it. <laughs> I think the first time we met, you had you had, it was. What did you call it? Burninator, you call it, or something like that? Or um, it was a five string sunburst model. And yes. uh, you were rocking. It's it's one of my all time favorite bass rigs, still to this day. You had the full Ampeg refrigerator, the 300 watt tube head, and then you had right beside it. <laughs> The little, little tiny pro junior, the little pro junior, just <laughs> ripping. <laughs> he could turn on for overdrive. Ripping, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my my fuzz tone. Was my fuzz pedal? That that's what it was. The pro junior had an AB box, where if I click B, it just adds that fuzz, and the, we call it. Gordy Johnson called it the pume. He's like, oh man, you gotta you gotta get that pume. He's like, I've never heard a I never heard a bass plugged into an amp like that make that sound before but it was just the weirdness the electronics of a of a dingwall going through that that little that little amp just made this just gnarly sound it still does but it definitely destroys those little amps they don't (laughs) take a beating man roasting those speakers (laughs) yeah my 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 pro junior now permanently sounds like there's a mini tambourine player inside of it <laughs> playing along with you. <laughs> well, it was a great, great tone, man. I remember like being like after that gig, which I, I played with the band, my, my terrible, terrible freaking rock band at the time. But I remember after we played that gig, um, being like, dude, Dan, hey, buddy, you gotta, you could, you already have the the bass rig, man, but you gotta get one of those little pro juniors. <laughs> listen to that tone, dude. <laughs> like, which of course he never did because uh, we didn't get paid for gigs. It was like I think that gig, we we conned our way into that gig by offering ourselves as like stage setup and teardown hands. So we were we were there at like five a.m. <laughs> Setting up oh, stage geez. scaffolding, like kind of the day, right? Yeah, or it was the it was the Alberta Centennial celebration? Oh, I think. Centennial, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were there at like five a.m. setting up, and we were there until like at least three or four a.m. the next tearing morning, down. tearing down. And they worked us like oh, dogs. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> and that, you know what's crazy? That was so many years before you and I actually started hanging out and. And making music together, man. Yeah, yeah, because we so didn't uh, we didn't cross paths. At, well, I mean, I think other bands I were in, I was in open for Wide Mouth a couple of times, doing other little things. Um, but I don't think we really talked again until twenty thirteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. The uh, the Songrise Conference. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all, you and all that stuff. Well, you reached out to us uh, playing playing at Fred's. Yeah, yeah, playing at Fred's because uh, there weren't a lot of prairie reggae acts around. <laughs> no, <laughs> and just you, re- you guys and us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few more. There's a few more kicking around for sure. <laughs> Oh, and then you talked, yeah, you got me. You, you talked us in doing that uh, songwriters conference, and then uh, yeah, it really snowballed from there. Been. Uh, 
you've been one of the best friends I've ever had, dude. <laughs> and, uh, uh, really, buddy. really proud to be able to call you a friend. So, Oh, man, likewise, man, likewise, man. And I was going to actually mention, since you were saying you were looking for an amp, um, and I know you guys are good at fixing stuff, um, going to donate uh, Juice's Blues Jr. to you. So you, it does need some, it needs some fixing, but I think it's, I think it's fixable. And, um, it's, I don't know. I always liked the sounds of those, that, that amp. Dude. Uh... Right, we're going to pause. No, you don't pause. Just... Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, man. Just really choked me up there. I don't know what to say. Ah, oh, bro, for sure, man. You you should have that, and you need an app. So there you go. Give you give you something to do. <laughs> Get that back up and running again, man. So, yeah, Juice made the mistake of taking it to Long McQuay to fix, <laughs> and I think they made it worse. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's definitely fixable, man. No, no, it's all yours. I'll, I'll make sure I uh, drop it off next time I see you, which oh, will hopefully won't be too long. Yeah, hopefully not. Are, are you recording? Well, I never stopped. Never stopped. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, thanks, man. That's I don't even I don't even have words to say. I even bought a book on tube amps. We could, we could totally <laughs> fix it. Yes. Electric yourselves reviving. This, you, I think you, I think you guys can do it, man. I think it's, I think it's fixable. For sure. It's a great app, but he didn't even really get to use it for that long. It just something happened and, you know, we couldn't figure out what was going on. And, and there was only one guy in town that, that fixed his amps and his waiting list was year is like a, a year or two long. So, I mean, L and M was the only real option, and ever since, it's just been waiting for someone to bring it back to life. Well, uh, I uh, <laughs> I promise to bring it back to life. I don't know how, but uh, yeah, figure it out. I I, I I believe in you guys, man. I think you can do it. It's a, it's a gooder. Well, yeah. it's like the Pro Junior's big brother. <laughs> I'm not gonna run. A base I didn't run. My, I didn't run my base through it. That's not why. That's not why it got. It went down. I promise not to run my base through it either. Yeah. That would... <laughs> uh, well. So okay. Now you're still running the Dingwall Ampeg combo when you play live and stuff, but you switched it up a whole lot. And and, and tell tell us about that because you're not using the 300 watt head and. 18 <laughs> no i have uh the svt micro which is an eighth the size of of the fridge so it's the same 210 um eminent speakers in a 810 but there's only two of them and it looks like an 810 but it's like tiny and um and the head is solid state uh and it weighs 13 pounds oh. and the svt original head weighs 70 pounds <laughs> just the head <laughs> yeah, oh. just the head <laughs> i so. remember uh when i worked at the the music shop in gp and big sugar came through town and 
Gordy had done what Gordy does, which is somehow managed to fry <laughs> his 300 watt Ampeg headset he runs as guitar amps. Mm. Uh, and uh, so we had to yeah. set up set up his backline was all rental gear because uh, they've always had a good relationship with Long McQuaid, so it was they supplied everything. And yeah, man, uh, after hauling in four four twelves and a bunch of those heads, it was just like I, I'm done. <laughs> I don't. Want, <laughs> somebody else can haul this crap out of here. Oh, it's it's brutal, man. And they uh, they don't call it the pig for for no reason, you know. It, it definitely is. And I was lucky enough by the end, uh, you know, in the heyday of Widemouth to have a road crew. So that was glorious. <laughs> that's, the, that's the dream. The, yeah. The, yeah. I show up and it's already set up. I'm like, yes, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I've dreamed about. That's why rock stars <laughs> run all the big rigs then, because they can. Yep, can. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to do any of the work. Yep. For sure. Oh. But I still love my guitars. You know, I am a guitar player first. Yeah, you, um, you were the guy that turned me on to jazz masters. Oh man, yeah, I love. I still love my my '64 reissue, which only also came out one year. Fender did um, 2011 or something like that. I forget when it was. Yeah, I think my my guitar is almost 10 years old by now. But um, was it that that made in Japan or was that in Mexico? Um, it's a Japanese, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's an American standard. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not. Uh, sounds great though. It's still, I mean, it's not an actual 64, but it's the closest thing you can ever get. And, yeah. um, Who's got I just love it. It's, uh, yeah. It just, you know, it can make it sound like any guitar really. It's, it's so, there's so many little toggles and switches and, you know, you get that really, that really muted jazz tone, if you want, even, um, from, to like a nice, really bright and, and clean skank, you know? Um, so yeah, I do, I do love, I still do love that guitar. Yeah. You're going to be proud of me, man. I just, um, produced a track for a, a buddy, um, who's out, uh, working in, in uh, Nicaragua right now. Um, but he was home for a little bit and we did a track together and, um, he wanted me to play us because of when we were jamming the song, I was noodling around on my, on my classical. And, um, and he's like, Oh man, you got to do that for on the track. I'm like, do what? He's like, you got to do a guitar solo. I'm like, (laughs) 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 I just started laughing. I'm just like, you want me to play a guitar solo on your album. I mean, do you realize that I've never played guitar solo on a record before? He's like, yeah, just do what you were doing, man. It was great. So, so I'll send it to you. My, my, my guitar solo debut nice. is yeah. official. Yeah. It's official. Oh, but come um, on, man. Like you can out shred me on a bass any day of the week like you were not incapable of playing a ripping solo you're just used to doing uh, it on way bigger strings yeah i suppose i suppose and, and i guess when with classical i mean you could still shred it just doesn't you know it doesn't quite it doesn't quite come across that way but but yeah i mean that's just not you know I me mean, that's not my my style i like i like holding things down and 
and grooving and making making things the, the pocket really deep and uh, I just find when you're soloing you can't be you can't do that you know so that's why I, I don't really do that I'm not like a bass player soloist you know like most dingwall players seem to be these days like you see videos and they're like they're like tapping and doing all this intricate stuff i'm like you would never do that in a, in a song with a band like but you know sure if you want to just well, be sitting I'm, at home doing that i've made no secret of the fact that i would love to see you rip it up and solo more because i i love it when you do it but i i totally feel you and i think you know, anytime you and I have ever co-written stuff together, I think we've always really gotten along because we value the pocket and we value holding things together and the overall song a lot more than, you know, getting to stand on the top of the pedestal per se. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I'll do my best. I'll try to try to I'll try a little bit more often. I think it, maybe I have a little more freedom now that we have two guitarists so that one of them can be, you know, holding on the rhythm, free me up to, to uh, mess around a little bit more for sure. Um, actually, you know what? I just dawned on me that what technically my first guitar solo was on a Steady's album, our uh, second album, well, technically our first full length on Star City, Shakedown. Uh, we have a song on it called Closer. And um, you do this I'm not credited. I do, I'm not credited for it because nobody knows that I did one. Because Juice laid down like way too many solos, like all guitar players do, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> left left me to like sift through them to kind of like piece together or 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 pick one, you know, to use. And it was at the very end of the song, as the song's like kind of crescendoing to like a climax. And I just, I didn't like any of the ones he did. And I had, I had in my head an idea of like how I, I wanted it to go. So I just freaking played it and I told Juice it was him. <laughs> yeah. Cause he, he heard, he, he heard it back. And he's like, Oh, I don't remember doing that one. But he's like, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Right. Oh so, my gosh. I can even hear it in his voice. That's <laughs> <laughs> So to to the end of his days, he still thought he thought that was him, but uh, it totally totally was no, not. That's great. That is great. <laughs> I think that's oh man, that's the thing. Of all the weird things, I wish I could share with people. I wish anytime I talk about Juice, I wish people could hear his voice and the way he spoke, and his like very mixed accent. <laughs> yeah, it was just. He just had a way of speaking that was very charming. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, guys, you know, I'm, I really like your podcast, man. It's I feel very comfortable, you know." <laughs> like, and after playing in a reggae in a in a reggae group and touring and being part of like all these like Afro Caribbean ex experience shows and you know like every every town in Canada has like an Afro Caribbean society or something like that where they're just like they they're keeping their culture together and they're, you know, kind of sharing stuff. And so I got very used to the, like the various Caribbean accents <laughs> and I could not, I couldn't do that with juice. Cause it was just different. <laughs> just his accent was just a whole thing unto itself. And, 
I, I he was. Yeah. <laughs> and his cookie, yeah, and, and, cookie monster vocal chanting and songs and yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Just and he's all he was always making stuff up that wasn't even actual words too, right? You're just like, man, you're not <laughs> even know. saying not even saying anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody could call him on it because they couldn't understand when he was chanting like the patois was too thick. So they couldn't It was but, too thick. So but if like, you were used to it, it was like He's totally making that up right now. <laughs> just... Yeah, that's just gibberish. That's Trini gibberish right now. <laughs> He's just up uh... there using an accent and no actual words. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, and I have a speaking of juice again. His guitar. I've got his um, um, geez, what was it? Uh, God, the brand is. Is is blanking yeah. on me right now. And, uh, Ibanez uh, and a Hagstrom from my Hagstrom, yeah, he's got he's got the Hagstrom. So I I really really would love to get that fixed too because it's something's wrong with it right now. So it's just it's you know in a case unplayed. So that would be his brother. His brother, his big brother, Ad has his has his Ibanez. So um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, he took that. That that's good. That yeah. one still works. That one's yeah, that was his baby works. that Ivan is. Totally, yeah, totally. It was such a cool guitar, <laughs> and it was an Ibanez. But it was, <laughs> who would have thunk it? It was like you know? it was like the bottom level Ibanez. That's the funny part to me is it was like it wasn't a prestige gem or something like that. It was like the ones that came in the student kits. <laughs> he just loved yeah, it a bit. like you could buy it at Sears. You know, it was one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> but for some, I don't know why, but it sounded great. He made it sound great. I think it was. It had to be all juice. It like somehow his musical talent and his cheapness combined to to make <laughs> this amazing sound. And he's picky with tone too, so it probably freaked him out just as much as it freaked us out, just to how the, how good it sounded. So, so yeah, it's in good hands. That one's in good hands with his bro. But yeah, the Hagstrom. I'd love to to bring that thing back to life as well because that was a pretty cool guitar those are really those swedish you know guitar makers really got got something cool going on you know just yeah. a totally different different it just sounds different you sure don't see a lot of them in uh around right now either uh, especially that model of hagstrom you don't see that one very often yeah you see the odd viking no. around and that's about it yeah yeah, yeah. at least around yeah, these man. parts yeah and i think the vikings are cool but this was like this thing was like a, it was almost a shreddy type axe. Like, cool. Yeah. It's very interesting guitar. Yeah, totally, um, man. Well, okay. So it's 10 years of the steadies. This is big things on the horizon. Now you get a, you get a bunch of full lengths under the belt, some, some EP stuff. And just this year, well, technically last year, You've uh, you've officially signed now with Sony Records. So, like, what's what's this, coming up with that? Like, come on, yeah, this is true. Okay, so, um, yeah, what's well, so all of that stuff's being going to be announced? You know, very soon, within the next week or so. Uh, it was just a matter of Which, getting a a release date for the album, a re a re release date of 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 Tiro de Leon. Um, uh, Sony the Orchard, which is what the music the portion of Sony is called now. It's called Sony the Orchard. So that's all their music, all their digital platformed stuff right now. Um, 
so yeah so the the record labels involved uh, bristol records is is um our direct label um signing their partners with sony so any signing of theirs is now part of sony and um it's also looking pretty good how with 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 the mother company being sony the orchard um really liking what they're hearing from us so you know there could be uh, some more opportunities down the road to grow the relationship directly with them even better um and there's another label in in nashville that's that's involved in this whole thing called Copperline music uh as well so so all of them have teamed up to to form this conglomerate um that we're now uh officially a part of and and uh pretty pretty excited to let the world know and our and our fans are going to be pretty pretty excited to, to to hear about the news and uh it's just you know it just feels great to have like all the, the and it's, it's funny that's 10 years coming up now and you always hear the stories of you know it usually takes 10 years for a band to to kind of start making it and um lo and behold you know we get signed in our 10th year so that's um that's pretty special you know, we're everyone's stoked and it, it's still waiting to see what happens with with uh you know stupid covid and all that but um i feel pretty positive that things are gonna you know get back to live music this year i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's gonna happen this year I think there's going to be shows this summer. I think fall, there's going to be more and more shows. And 2022, we're going to be off to the races, you know? Yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah, me get, too. I'm getting bored. <laughs> you, you just, yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. So boring. Well, that's like, oh, I, I mean, you and I have talked on the phone about this a couple of times. So, like, that's that's crazy. That's insane that in the middle of a pandemic year, you've signed a, a record label. It's uh, yeah, it's not something I thought was going to happen. That's for sure. But um, it's, you know, it's better late than never, you know, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it happened. Um, it, it's kind of in, interest. I like the way it happened. You know, it, it really came down to just uh, them hearing our music um, and thinking that, who are these guys? Like what, you know, how come it sounds like a band ready to, that should be an international band by now. And, um, of course, having done more research on me and what I'm about and my background, it, it started to make sense, but it was, you know, the live video we put out on of undeniable that really caught the attention. Um, I guess they didn't realize it was live because it sounds sounded good enough to be the album um that but sounds, then when they went and listened tight. oh thanks man yeah it, it 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 was just one of those things you know where we just wanted better video content of of us playing live um even if it wasn't a live show if it was you know this was it, it seemed like a music video but we were just, we were playing like live off the floor like front to back no no editing no nothing right it's just that's what that was kind of the point we wanted to be able to have something really good quality of of us 
doing that and um just to showcase that we are a live band you know we're not anybody can sound great in the studio and it was nice that they they felt the same right same philosophy that it's a lot easier to to take a a great live band and and market them so their music uh so that you know to grow their fan base than to try to take a uh some kind of youtube you know star or someone who's getting a lot of streams on spotify and turn them into a a veteran uh experienced live touring act you know that's that's a lot harder to do so um so that's great man it just it gave me some hope that that it's still about the music it's still about um having to be great at, at, what, at your craft and putting in your time and and um people will eventually take notice right just just keep working at it well <laughs> probably helps that uh, of all the people i've met in the music business very few uh, work as hard as you do that's like something you've always just blown me away with is your work ethic is insane I don't know when you sleep because like after, after a show, like I know, yours, I'm, I love. I'm done, man. Like I am roasted after a show. I want to go to bed and somehow after a show, you are peppy. You're up for hours and you're, you're ready to go at 8 a.m. the next day to keep driving. <laughs> like, um, oh yeah, I know. I even make the mistake of just jamming more till the wee hours of the morning, which is <laughs> something I still, I still like to do. Uh, yeah, man, I don't. I stay up so late working on music. It's I don't know. It's just when I feel feel the most creative. Maybe four in the morning, you know, <laughs> in my studio. It's just I've got such I've got such a great setup too at home right now. You know, we got we call it Doctor Juice Box Recording Studio, and of course named after the man. Um, but uh, it's it's of everything I need. You know, I've got all the gear I need, uh, a good, really good space, um, you know, to make, to make music. And, and that's the one thing, if I can say positive about the, the pandemic is that it's, um, it's been great to just be able to focus on music because I, I know touring is, is music, but touring is, Touring is another thing, man. That's just like it's a lot of work. That's like that's, it's a lot of work outside so much, of music. So much work, man. Like it's ridiculous, you know. Like, and and it's 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 never ending. You always got to be planning for the next gig three months from now, right? So it's just it's just this cycle that you just can't get yeah. out of. It, just, and it's it takes a lot. In there. It's exhausting. It's a, it's a lot. like I always. <laughs> You know, it's it's the old trope of like your friends joke about being, you know, living the cushy life as a as a musician when you're when you're a professional working musician, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's just like you have you have no idea how much stress I'm under all the time trying to book shows, and if I screw this up now, then I get to stress out for two months and wait because I know once this two months is up, I don't work for a month because I screwed up, <laughs> like. Oh, yeah, yeah, like your livelihood's on the line. You know, it's 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 um it's stressful for sure. And and you're relying and the the most stressful thing for me about it is you're relying on other people. And I don't like having to rely on other people. You know, it's just not um 
that stresses me out because if someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do, it screws you over. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just, I like to be in more control than that. And, uh, when you're booking shows, you know, you're, you still get to deal with the, but the buyers and the promoters and people getting back to you and, and they're dealing with all the other artists that they're, they got to deal with and the venue. And so there's just so much to it that, um, as much as I miss it, I miss the actual playing on stage with, <laughs> with, my, with my homies. I don't miss the planning of it at all, man. I'm, I'm loving just getting to do, just be creative right now and just and make music for myself or for other people. Like that's, it, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to lie. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's got to be a, a first. <laughs> well, I, I, you know what? I honestly can't say that I'm, not liking this, like kind of the solitude of the pandemic. Cause I'm a, I'm kind of a, a solitary person anyways. And so the creative aspect of all the things go. I'm doing, I don't mind working in the studio. I don't mind, you know, recording the show. If you know, it's just me and you and like that kind of stuff is, this is actually the way I prefer it. It's going to my day job that I don't like. <laughs> There's just so many people. <laughs> yeah, you got to get rid of that, that, that man. That's, yeah. that's bad for you. There's <laughs> just too many people. Uh, I, I haven't had a day job since 1993, uh, I think. <laughs> There's the secret. That's Quit it. your day job. Yeah, I did that once. Yeah, I was working at, I was working at Arby's. <laughs> and and do, you, do you want to know why I quit? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because it was interfering with my and my brother's uh, Sega Hockey League. Oh, Sega <laughs> Hockey League? Yeah. Fat. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. We had a, we had a <sighs> Sega Hockey League, and it was on every Sunday. We had three TVs going on three levels of my of our house. And we had like a twelve-team league, and and yet we had two got two guys playing and one guy keeping stats. <laughs> so you always had two guys playing and one guy doing stats oh my for gosh. every game, man. We even kept track of who won fights <laughs> and, like and and then we'd print out we'd print them out so that the at the beginning of every Sunday, when you first thing you'd look at is the wall of stats, <laughs> you know, and just be like, oh, who the scoring oh leaders my God, are. That is nerdy on are. a whole different level. I love it. And, and get this, if you, you miss a, a game, the guy gets to play against your computer, <laughs> which you'll, which you'll destroy, right? Yeah, you yeah, destroy yeah. the computer. So I felt like my job was, was hazardous to my team's record. <laughs> Because it was making my computer have to play for me, so I quit. That's amazing. So I'm like, that's not a <laughs> I'm Okay, it's probably really great that you like you you got a successful music career going before the like <laughs> e electronic arts like NHL every year put out mm. a new uh, version of the game because uh, <laughs> you'd have become a like a recluse. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep up with those. Oh man. Oh yeah. And I, don't, I think that I, I, is I probably still get, I still get my games in, you guys. I still get my games in. <laughs> That's probably my favorite 
first job story ever. I just, I just <laughs> love it. I literally, I, that was my last day job, man. That was it. I, I don't care how good the gigging. discount is on beef and cheddar. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I got my team's honor to worry about here. <laughs> technically, I've got another a, a, a technical day job, but it does it doesn't really count. I, I got that SAS music thing where I'm I'm a mentor. But I basically just get to chat about music for an hour and get paid for that. So that's well. Thank you for doing it with us for, for free. free. Yeah, that, that yeah. doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that's not like making a, you know, a beef and cheddar, and uh, curly fries. You know, that's uh, <laughs> that was way harder. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Well, like <laughs> that. That is like that mentorship thing, man. It. It's so perfect for you because you you've been doing that for every artist you've ever worked with as long as I've known you. Like you've always got supportive and worthwhile things to like advise on uh, constructive criticism and emphasis on being very constructive. Um, You're you're my favorite person to co-write with. Um, And uh, thanks, man. Oh, dude, I, I seriously, man, I. I, I love writing with you. I, we've written a handful of tunes together, and we have um, yeah. only about half of them. Yes, you better day. get to work, hey? Uh, <laughs> I need some more. T- I need some new tunes, man. All right, <laughs> <laughs> just get on it. And I texted you last week, being you like, did. Hey, "Yeah, I know." And you, I need some. I need some riffs. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get on that. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. Um, so. Since we're getting a little over time here, as we always do. On as we do. Um, yeah, let me know how you guys want to wrap. <laughs> well, we just, we just basically are unceremonious just... about it. Just, <laughs> okay, boy. And <laughs> but uh, before I forget, um, there's a lot of ways to, to find you, but what are the best ways people, our, our listeners and stuff can uh, keep track of you and follow you on social media, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, so, I mean... All our music's out there online. I'm trying to get our YouTube to be a little more, get some more love. I'd love some more sub- subscribers and and um, and views there. So that's uh, YouTube.com slash The Steady's Music. So that's where I've tra- been trying to direct people more to these days. Uh, we Of course, we have our main website, uh, thesteadies.ca, where you can actually buy our music. It's really the only place you can do that and uh, we will we will get benefit from it um so there's that and then all of our our handles i mean we're, we're pretty active on our, our social media uh, at the studies facebook instagram even even good old twitter you know which is <laughs> a little bit harder you know you gotta be like a stand-up comedian to be on Twitter. So all I use um, my Twitter for, and this is like a bit of a shameful thing on my part. Cause it is like my origami army professional Twitter. All I use it for is shamelessly whining to companies and just posting like <laughs> complainy political stuff. <laughs> Cause I don't want to post it on any other platform. I, think nice. I thought that's what Twitter was for. Most <laughs> <laughs> people just like a, a, a hilarious pithy one sentence comment and they're off. It's like, I think I actually started Twitter so that I could, like, I was going to write some, I don't know, 
it's deep thoughts and things like that. And they limit you to 143 characters. I was like, oh, oh no. It's and I, 280 now. Oh, is it? No. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, nope, that's it. The better, man. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm out. I can't. Twitter's even. all about how can you how can you maximize three words, right? That's Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, dude, um, I, I just, I got to shamefully admit that uh, I just checked my personal YouTube and I wasn't following you. So uh, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> uh dude i i can't say that's what i'm talking about man we're just <laughs> <laughs> well you know you got one new follower right now um i can't say enough yes. good things about you bro uh i love you to bits man um you've been love an, you, buddy you've been an amazing friend uh collaborator one time hero now really close friend and uh i would take the ladder every day of the week um oh, man. thanks thanks so much for lots coming of love you guys love, thanks for having me on you guys yeah. casper al this is uh it's great man this is a really cool podcast and if, if you guys you know need some help getting some more people on let me know i can reach out and <laughs> you know well we'll see 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 who we can pull in we'll definitely tap you on that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh we'll, we'll see you all it. you lovely listeners next week yeah.